Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. You know, one of the great truths of our faith and central to the whole biblical story is how even in the worst and darkest of times, God comes to his people bringing hope and peace. Though it's not always in the manner we expect. That's certainly what we see in the Old Testament story of Elijah the prophet. And in truth, it's part of our story as well, which brings us to today's message. Based on 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 15, it's entitled, God of the Crushed Silence. And it starts with a story of my own. The time had finally come for us to go home. We knew that. We'd actually been preparing ourselves for that inevitability for quite some time. But given the stress of those last few weeks, trying to pack up everything we own so that most of it could actually go into storage, dealing with countless last-minute details and a few tearful goodbyes, to say nothing of seeking to bring some semblance of faith-centered closure to a five-year ministry that had been, well, let's just say difficult. We were not only physically exhausted, but also emotionally and spiritually drained. And if that weren't enough, quite literally, as we're packing the last of what was going with us in the cars, our cats, four of them, mind you, chose that particular moment to decide to make a break for it and scatter throughout the neighborhood. (laughs) It took several hours of Sarah and her best friend Brianna coaxing the cats back with an open can of tuna fish and the night spent at a local hotel, but it did happen. Early the next morning, we got up and we did leave Ohio and we're finally on our way back to Maine. And all these years later, I still remember what a terrible, horrible, awful trip that was. To begin with, as fate would have it, this was the weekend just prior to the 4th of July, which meant there was nary a decent hotel room to be found anywhere from the Berkshires East. At least not one that didn't cost an arm and a leg, or more importantly, one that was pet-friendly. And which, I guess I, after all this time, we can confess this, which eventually led us to literally smuggle those four cats into a Motel 6 somewhere in Chicopee, Mass. Moreover, it was inordinately hot and muggy that weekend. The traffic was bumper to bumper and interminably slow all the way to Maine. And the whole trip, hour after hour, mile after mile, was accompanied by the noise of roaring engines, blaring horns, wailing sirens, and hip-hop music being played at excessive volume and with way too much bass. I have to tell you, however, in retrospect, the worst part of all of it was, is that we had two cars and we switched off and driving and passengers, but Even then, there was way too much time 
to be thinking. Thinking about what had brought this, our family to this moment, thinking about the things that went wrong, things I could have done differently, things I wished they had done differently, thinking about disappointment and failure. And if I'm being honest, about fear. And yes, the anger I was feeling at that moment about a hard present and an uncertain future. Now, could this have been, at least in part, the inevitable result of all the stress my family and I had been experiencing, of, of too little sleep and way too much caffeine, to say nothing of having all this cacophonous road noise filling my ears and my brain for, for two days straight? Maybe. But let me tell you what I remember the most about that trip. We finally got to northern Maine and back to camp about dusk. And we were so tired we didn't even unpack. We just made up the beds, crawled under the covers, and collapsed. And I remember lying there in the darkness, too exhausted to do anything else but sleep, but too keyed up from all the driving to close my eyes. All I kept seeing was the highway in front of me. And I realized in that moment that the only thing I could hear now was the quiet. A sound of, of sheer silence, uh, as Scripture so eloquently put it. A lack of sound so profound, so all-enveloping as to be overwhelming. Almost crushing. And I'd never before heard, or more accurately, not heard anything like it. Now, what's interesting about our text for this morning, the story of the prophet Elijah's encounter with God at the cave on Mount Horeb, is that moment really ought to have been the moment of Elijah's greatest triumph. After all, if you read the chapters leading up there, you'll know that he had just come from Mount Carmel where he had challenged and completely routed some 450 prophets of the pagan god Baal. Baal excuse me. God's singular power and presence had been displayed for all to see. And if that weren't enough, a long-standing drought had come to an end, just as God had promised and as Elijah himself had proclaimed. So by all reasoning, this prophet of God should really have been in high spirits, confident in what had happened, and even more confident for the future and ready for his victory lap. And yet, as we pick up the story today, immediately you find out that Elijah is far from feeling the thrill of victory. He's tired, he's scared. And thanks to a death threat from a vengeful Baal-worshipping Jezebel and her powerful yet spineless husband, King Ahab, he's on the run. He's on the run for his very life, first escaping to the city of Beersheba, and now, later on, hiding out in the wilderness. Needless to say, friends, this was not how it was supposed to work out. And Elijah, who by now was lamenting his circumstances and, and feeling very, very desperate, he's also, as you can imagine, filled up with self-pity. I mean, never mind 
that an angel has been waiting on him with food and drink for the journey. Never mind that the Lord himself has come to ask after him. All the while, all these days in the wilderness, Elijah is ranting. Ranting about how much had gone so wrong. And fairly well begging God just to take him. Since as a prophet, he was as such a, an utter failure. No better than his ancestors, he says. And that's what he says. And what he's thinking is, you know what? This is so, so unfair. He'd done what the Lord had asked him to do. He stood firm in his commitment to God. And against all odds and at great personal risk. I mean, that ought to count for something, right? But no, as far as Elijah is concerned, this business of being God's prophet, it's all for naught. No matter how you look at it, it's a losing game. It's not exactly the stuff of heroism, is it? Nor does it serve as an example of the leadership that is truly of biblical proportions. But we, we read that. We hear it being shared today. And, and we understand, don't we? We get it. Because most of us at one time or another have been there. It's been said, you know, that this story from 1 Kings is one of relatively few occasions in Scripture where we get insight into the inner thoughts and the emotions of the characters in that biblical story. Mostly, as you read Scripture, we've got to rely on, on, on our, things like translation, history, tradition, we got to look at the overarching message of Holy Scripture so that we can kind of read between the lines. As I've said before from this pulpit, it helps that we know how the story ends in looking back at it. But not this time. That's not what we get here. We really do know what's happening with Elijah because you and I understand all too well what things like crisis and fear and discouragement and utter despair can do to someone. We get how life will at times become so exhausting, so disheartening, so incredibly soul-searing that you end up feeling like you've been trampled upon and you're just too weak to stand. You and I look at Elijah and, and we know that there just seems to come a point when having been beaten down, being burnt out, and feeling abandoned in the midst of life's hardships and justices and and we have to wonder after all that if it's all worth it. It's quite literally what led the psalmist to cry out in despair, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Or to put it another way, in the words of the poet, it's the dark night of the soul. But let me tell you, friends, it's also the place where God comes with power, and in love. And so it is for Elijah. And it's important to note here that when God does come to Elijah, it's not out of anger. It's not to chastise him for a lack of faith. Rather, God comes for what might be referred to as unexpected encouragement, the kind that defies 
our expectations. And as it turns out, God does not come in the power of a wind so destructive that it splits mountains and breaks rocks into pieces. Nor was the Lord to be found in in the earthquake that happened after that. And no, God's voice isn't one of fiery judgment and divine retribution. When God speaks, it's with silence. In fact, in one of the richest images that's found in the Old Testament, we're told that the voice of the Lord comes in a sound of sheer silence. Or as it's often translated, a still, small voice. I've also seen it referred to as a whistling of gentle air. But actually, I I want to give you still another translation. And this really harkens back to the original Hebrew there, which directly translates in English as a crushing silence. That is, that quiet so all-encompassing that it envelops and overwhelms everything around it. To put this another way, it's God's voice speaking at the exclusion of all others. And God's voice here was one of mercy and compassion and love. A voice that spoke directly to Elijah's heart, leaving him so exposed, so vulnerable, that we are told in this text that immediately he wrapped his face in his robe because it was all too much for him to face. I mean, can you imagine it? Can you even envision how it would be for you or for me to stand there with all the noise suddenly silenced and every one of our fears, every one of our doubts on full display to God who's right there before us in all of his glory. But you see, friends, it's precisely in hearing that voice of God in the crushed silence that Elijah could begin to find his healing and then his hope. So it was for Elijah, so it is for you and me. Indeed, so often, what it takes for us to get past the cacophonous noise of our lives, that unending barrage of sound that comes forth from outside of us, but also comes from within. So often what it takes to get beyond that, that we might start to hear the voice of the Almighty speaking directly to us in the midst of the quiet. And while when we often do hear it, that silence, the effect may be jarring, even crushing, if you will. When we stop to hear God's voice, to listen, and yes, to actually pay attention to what's being said, it's there, there in the crushed silence that we find that peace that we've been looking for and what we have so needed. And might I add, it's there that we find renewal for the way ahead. Because it's also worth noting in the story that when Elijah finally does come out to the cave and and this time really listens to God, what is it that God says? What does God do? God sends Elijah to Damascus. God gives him another assignment. God says, get going. As Richard Nelson has written, God's therapy for prophetic burnout usually includes both the assignment of new tasks and the certain promise of a new future. 
one that transcends the prophet's own success or lack of it. In other words, friends, in the silence, God helps us to move forward in faith, in service, in love, whether we think we're ready for it or not. Now, I'd like to tell you, friends, that on that dark night of my own soul so many years ago, that having experienced that truly crushing silence, that at that moment I was suddenly aware of the voice of God speaking to me and that immediately everything was okay and life went on much better than before. But the truth is, and I say this in retrospect, I still had a rather long and occasionally arduous journey ahead of me. But I will tell you this much. That night, I slept better than I had in weeks, maybe even months. And the next night, once again retiring to the evening quiet of our pond, it was the same thing all over again. In fact, all through that summer, I came to look forward to the times I spent dwelling in the crushed silence because it was there, away and apart from all the noise, that I could let go of anguish and the fear and the despair. It was there that I could weep. It was there that I could pray. And it's there that I could listen. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was there where I was being encouraged, pushed, really, to move forward. There where I was being led along the very first steps of a journey that while still involving a few twists and turns, would, by, would be by God's grace and mercy and love would eventually lead me here. It is a noisy world out there, beloved. And sometimes the noise is just more than we can take. But my hope and prayer for each one of us today is that we would seek to come away and apart from the cacophony so that we might truly stop and hear and listen to our God of the crushed silence. This God who is even now calling our name. This God who even now is asking us, what are you doing? This God who brings us peace that the world can't get. This God who brings us comfort unlike any we have ever known. This God who brings us life for today, tomorrow, and always. In praise of that one who does speak to us in that still, small voice, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message we've entitled, God of the Crushed Silence. It was recorded during our June 23rd service of worship at East Church. Speaking of East Church, we've just started our summer season in our congregation. And if you're looking for a place to worship, or even if you happen to be visiting the Granite State this summer, we'd love to welcome you to one of our services. 
We gather together every Sunday at 10 a.m. We're located on 51 Mountain Road in beautiful Concord, New Hampshire. I really hope we'll have a chance to see you there. Well, that's it for another installment of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry. I thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless you with a great day. Talk to you soon.